Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Adios, old friend. Yeah, I've got no secrets and no regrets. Well, a lot of regrets, but the point is I've got nothing to hide. Kind of like the way Progressive shows you their competitors' rates. You gotta put it all out there, baby. Excuse me, miss. Does this heart belong to you? Would you like it anyway? Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparisons not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Ah, the copperhead snake. It hisses before attacking. But that's not a copperhead. That's the Sullivan's RV freshwater tank overflowing into their black one, which is backing into their vent pipe, making for a very different kind of attack. One that arrives just in time for taco night. It's wild out there. When it gets too wild, Progressive has your RV covered. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. When you see who gets the rebound, Julius. We were talking about that. Julius does the work, and Brandon gets the basket. Wow. But th- there it is, movement of the basketball. Yeah, he'll get an assist, but it's just about as finding the open people. And Julius spots him along the baseline. He goes up, gets fouled on the play, hammers one. He'll be at the line, seeing if he can complete another three-point A opportunity. 2010 game for Brandon Ingram. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it only took us about a week and a half or so, but I think we're finally there, Tommy. I think we're finally on the road to recovery from the audio sensory debacle that was Fergie's sultry rendition of the national anthem from All-Star Weekend. It's, it's not that there wasn't any basketball to watch. That's not why we haven't had a new podcast. It's just we needed to recover. I'm your host, Jonathan Hernandez, and I am joined by my co-host, Tommy Alexander. Alan Riley will join us a bit later, but Tommy, I got to ask you, which NBA All-Stars reaction from the star-spangled Fergie was your favorite? For delicious definition. <laughs> <laughs> um, my, uh, my favorite was probably, 
Actually, you know what? My favorite wasn't even one of the All-Stars. My favorite was after the game when Shaq, or at halftime when Shaq reacted to it, when Charles was was acting all crazy and was like, I need a cigarette after that performance. <laughs> and then sh- my favorite reaction, though, was Shaq because he actually tried to defend it and say it wasn't that bad <laughs> and it was just different. And uh, so I give credit to Shaq for being an optimist. And the home of the... so uh my favorite nba all-stars there were were a lot of great reactions by the way you had the uh the typical draymond green one which everybody's been using as a meme because at first it looks like draymond's totally dazed and then all of a sudden he just breaks out of that daze and just starts chuckling to himself you got the Embiid super serious stank face reaction um and clay thompson he was trying to hold his laughter in as well but he wasn't doing a good job of it uh, but for me, I love Carl Towns' look of dejected despair. Like there was no, there was not even any hint of humor in his face. He just looked like he was just in straight agony by that rendition. And he even hung his head low as it was going on. So I thought that was pretty hilarious. Uh, but yeah, you know what is not agonizing? The Lakers, because the Lakers are riding a three-game win streak out of the All-Star break, matching their win total from all of last year already before March. Uh, they are 26 and 34, and uh, Lonzo Ball is back. Isaiah Thomas is slowly but surely getting himself more integrated to the team. KCP is having random supernova games all of a sudden. Uh, Zubot's revival is in full effect, and then Brandon Ingram and Julius Randle are both consistently pumping out all-star level type games and the Lakers seem to be rolling and also having a lot of fun doing it. So yeah, we'll get into all of that today, but first... As usual, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Obviously, please rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us, that's how many more random execs will favor Brandon Ingram over Ben Simmons once both reach their career peaks, thereby sending more insecure and defensive Sixers fans into a tizzy. Tommy, what did you think about the uh, the little Brandon Ingram versus Ben Simmons discussion that happened the other day with uh, Kevin O'Connor tweeting out that at the Sloan conference this past weekend, several execs said they'd rather have Brandon Ingram because of his offensive versatility, and then Sixers fans kind of going nuts over that. It's hilarious to me that Sixers fans would go nuts over something like that. Um, it's not that big of a deal. There was questions. I mean, at the time, Simmons was fairly well-regarded to be the number one pick, but there were stretches throughout the season where, you know, many people said, oh, I'd rather have Ingram. I think if you, like, went back and listened to uh, some of our stuff from back then, you would hear us saying, I'd rather have Ingram at various points um, throughout the college season. Simmons is a very, very, very good player. He even looks better in the NBA than he did in college somehow. Mm -hmm. Um He's, you know, very well could be the best player. I'm not going to say who's going to be better or who's not going to be better. Right now, Simmons is better. If you asked me the same exact question in November, I'd be like, all right, well, let's see if Brandon Ingram can be like a, a starter in the NBA first. You know what I mean? Like a legit starter. Um, more than like a, you know, just defender who can score 12 points a game type of guy. Um, but where, just seeing where things are go, uh, have gone and where things are likely headed based on his progression, the fact that he's 20 years old, I'm pretty sure Simmons is 22 or something. He's going to uh, turn 22 in July. So Ingram is like a full year, year and like two yeah, months. a year and a half. 
Because, yeah, Ingram's not until, like, September. Or, yeah, I guess, yeah, a year and a, full, a few months. So, full year, younger, um, has upside. I just think it's funny. Like, Ingram is not – it's not like they're on two different stratospheres. You know what I mean? They're both pretty yep. good. Um, you know, it's like I saw some tweets today, I think, on, on the thread you were talking about it, or the other day maybe it was. Um, and somebody responded, yeah, exactly like how everybody thought – Darren Williams was going to be so much better than Chris Paul over the course of their career, you know, when they were first starting out. It just guys kind of progress at different rates and get to different points at different rates. Simmons is going to be very, very, very good. Could easily be the best player of this draft. Ingram also going to be very, very good. And I think he could also be the best player of the draft. And frankly, it's just like a positive sign that he's in the conversation at this point. I think that's what most Laker fans should be uh, happy about because that's how good Simmons is, that if you're in the conversation with him, it's like a huge compliment. Yeah, I agree. Like you were saying, back in November, we wouldn't even have thought to put Ingram and Simmons in the same conversation, especially as Ben Simmons is putting up triple-doubles on the nightly, helping the Sixers win. I mean, they've won seven games in a row, a large part of that because of Embiid, but also due to Ben Simmons' just absolute total packageness going on over there. But yeah, I just I just found it hilarious that Sixers fans would feel the need to defend Ben Simmons when you don't really need to defend Ben Simmons. Like nobody's going to argue with you if you're a Sixers fan and you take Ben Simmons over Ingram. I thought it was funny the outrage over just a few execs. We don't even know how many execs said that at the Sloan conference. That even just a few execs would say, "I think maybe down the line I'd prefer Brandon Ingram over Ben Simmons." Um, it could have been Polinka. <laughs> it could have. It could have been Polinka. You're right. Like you said. Ingram at this point is a legitimately good player. So Sixers fans should actually take solace in that, that they have a prospect that is being compared to Brandon Ingram, who is actually a good player and not some sort of, you know, it's not Thon Maker, like I tweeted out. We, the Lakers fans have had to deal with Juancho Hernan Gomez or Thon Maker potentially being better than Brandon Ingram, which was laughable at the time. It's laughable even more now. So if anybody should be defensive with regards to their top three prospect, it shouldn't be the Ben Simmons Sixers crowd. It should be the Lakers and the Brandon Ingram crowd who we've we've slowly had to watch this guy progress. So we knew it was going to be a slow and steep learning curve for him. But slowly we're starting to see, you know, the dividends pay off here. And uh, it, it's just nice to be in the conversation with Ben Simmons. And from here, because he is just a year younger, a full year younger, who knows how he's going to progress the rest of the way. You know, the Ben Simmons argument is if he just gains a jump shot, he'll be unstoppable. Okay, fine. I can do that with Brandon Ingram too. If he just bulks up, he could be unstoppable. If he continues to hit his free throws and gets a three-point shot, which he's slowly been, uh, you know, showcasing more and more of, especially out out of the All-Star break, he could be unstoppable. So I could do it for both sides. And I think the, the main takeaway is that Ingram is in the conversation with Ben Simmons when at the start it looked like it would take a lot longer than it has. So uh, good on Brandon Ingram. And we'll get to him a little bit more down the line. Um, Before Alan comes on, though, Tommy, I wanted to ask you what you've thought about the new look Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James. Uh, Obviously, Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance seem to be flourishing over there, Um, especially Larry Nance. He's getting rebounds. He's actually scoring points. Larry Nance is blocking shots, getting steals, leading fast breaks and passing it to people. And of course, getting lobs from LeBron James and George Hill and and all those guys. And he's really injected the Cavs with this energy and life. 
and you can you can feel it on both ends. And then Clarkson, obviously, I think he even hits a couple shots, clutch shots today in their win against Brooklyn. But the, those two guys have been thriving even more so than George Hill and Rodney Hood, I feel like, which is, you know, props to the Lakers. We actually had good prospects. What do you know? The media narrative on all of our guys sucking is not true after all. You just needed to surround them with better supporting players and a guy like LeBron James, and their true value and versatility would show out. Uh, so good on those guys. But I wanted to get your thoughts on how the Cavs have looked overall. Um, they've had some impressive wins since the trade deadline and since getting those guys against, you know, Boston and OKC. But outside of those two, I think their other wins have been against relatively pretty easy teams and um, against the good teams like the Wizards and the Spurs, uh, they've lost. And even tonight against the Brooklyn Nets, they barely hung on to win against D'Angelo Russell. Now, I think LeBron James obviously has an entirely new outlook on life. He seems more excited. He seems refreshed. He's trying once again. And that means the world, that makes a world of difference for the Cavs because if you have an engaged and motivated LeBron James, he can pretty much lead you anywhere. Uh, but with that said, you know, Cleveland right now, they are, they have 24 losses. They are 36 and 24. They're in that number 26 spot. Obviously, the Lakers own that pick because of the trade. And the teams right below Cleveland, that's Minnesota, San Antonio, Washington, New Orleans, Portland, Indiana, Oklahoma City, Milwaukee, Denver, Philly, pretty much like nine teams. They all have between 25 to 26 losses. So it's really, really tight at the bottom of that uh, playoff bracket for the East and the West. And so... Yeah, what are your thoughts on the Cleveland team first off? And then secondly, how good do you think Cleveland will be the rest of the way? Or, or is it too early to gauge right now? And is there a possibility that that pick of ours at number 26 could end up tumbling down to 22 or so? Uh, so first, generally, I think Cleveland looks better. Um, the thing is, Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance are putting together so far numbers that are not atypical for what they've done in any, like, you know, given solid five-game stretch that they played all season for us. Um, you know, Larry Nance in the last five games uh, is averaging um, 10 points, 6.8 rebounds, uh, shooting, you know, 61% from the field, getting about a block and a half and a steal and a half per game. Um, Jordan Clarkson, similarly, 14 points a game in the last five, efficiency 50%. 35% from three. It's not that they're, you know, playing exceptionally well in like a way that none of us could have seen before. It's just now they're on a good team. And um, it's impressive that to see them putting up these numbers, A, in games that matter. But then on the other hand, it's like, uh, maybe we shouldn't be so impressed that they're they're putting up these kinds of numbers because... You know, if anything, these Cleveland trades uh, showed me just the complete and utter dominance of LeBron James. He's yeah. the only player in the NBA. If you just put him on a team of people who try hard, he will take you to the playoffs. Um, like, just because he has teammates that try hard, this team could come out of the East. Like, that's how strong this guy is as an individual talent. In terms of how good do I think... Uh, so. I think those two guys are doing great. They're going to have great times there so long as LeBron's there. I think they're going to completely continue to put up, I should say, continue to put up numbers the, the way that they have for the last five, you know, for probably most of the rest of the season other than, you know, minor stretches here or there or whatever. 
But and I do think Laker fans should feel vindicated that like, hey, you know, <laughs> we've been saying for a while Jordan Clarkson is not trash. He's not like Austin Rivers, Larry Nance is you know, a very, very solid player and exactly the type of uh, role player you want to have on your championship team. And they are put in that situation now and and you're you're seeing what uh, what the results are. Like Jordan Clarkson, super, super, super efficient because he doesn't have to be in in situations on the floor where he's he's like the only guy on the floor who can score a basket. Which was, you know, especially in his first three years, but even this year, at, at times that was the case. Mm-hmm. You know, Kuzma is a rookie; he was he'd be off sometimes, and we'd have lineups out there where it was Nance, Kuzma, Clarkson, Corey Brewer, and you know, like Josh Hart or like Alex Car- Josh Hart, but like when he was younger. Uh, sorry, not younger; he's he's a rookie, but when he was earlier in the season. Um, and wasn't playing as much. Caruso, Tyler Ennis, like these were the horrendous lineups Clark Clarkson was playing with. So it's no wonder a five percent jump is like fairly modest, actually, considering now he doesn't have to take crazy wacky shots where he takes it one on five. So that's how I think that those two guys impact that team. That being said, I, I think Cleveland could come out of the East. I don't know win loss wise where they're going to fall, just because. This this stretch of the end of the regular season is so weird because so many teams are not concerned about winning um, at this point. So it really your strength of schedule plays a huge role here. If they play a bunch of bottom feeder teams, or not even bottom feeder necessarily, but you know pretty much anybody like Charlotte Hornets level and down, which is you know twelve teams or something. So um, if they play any of those types of teams, those types of teams might not be putting out maximum effort, but if they're playing playoff contenders, especially in the West, because everything is so tight, I tend to agree with you that like, maybe they're, they're not so impressive. I mean, people like have to understand that before they made these trades, I'm sure people recognize, I should say, not have to understand, but I'm sure people recognize that before the, uh, they made these trades, they had lost so many horrible games. Um, they were losing, you know, they went through a stretch where they lost like six out of seven or even worse than that, like eight out of nine. Um, they were getting blown out on national television, like repeatedly Houston beat them by 32, um, Boston, I, sorry, uh, Detroit beat them. They had, you know, horrible, like losses to Orlando where they were winning and Orlando went on like a 30, you know, unanswered, like 28 unanswered points in the third quarter. So, you know just not playing very good at all. So the fact that they they look competitive is by default an enormous upgrade. Um, whether this team can compete, I mean, this team is not going to roll over Boston and they're not going to roll over Toronto or even the Wizards. Um, I still think they could easily win the East just because the East is not that strong. Um, I just think that any team that comes out of the West, it's either going to be Houston or Golden State and both of those teams would completely just stomp all over the Cavs. They just don't have enough. I mean, it's great that now they're re-energized and, you know, whatever, and they have these young guys who are willing to compete. None of these young guys have played in the playoffs. You can't count on any one of these guys. Like, Larry Nance is great. He's averaging 10 a game. He's not going to score for you. Um, You know, he's not going to create offense for you in the playoffs if Kevin Love, you know, doesn't come back as expected. You know, Jordan Clarkson, similar. He can create some offense, but, like, when the game gets physical and – uh, slows down a little bit and teams are honing in and not just, you know, you don't have your regular season, you you might be catching teams on a back-to-back, whatever. 
taking away all those variables, we'll see what happens in the playoffs. And and I just don't think that the best teams in the league are going to have a problem with, with Cleveland. But they definitely, I do think they look better. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just looked at their end-of-season schedule. Uh, they have two more bouts with the Knicks. They got the Mavericks. They got the Hornets. One more with the Nets. Two with the Suns. One with the Bulls. So they kind of have a relatively easy schedule. The games of interest that I'm looking out for are the ones against actual legitimate playoff teams like the Nuggets, Tor- the Toronto Raptors, who they face twice more. Um, I want to see how they do against the good teams because they, they lost yeah. to the Wizards who don't didn't have John Wall at the time and they lost to a Spurs team that was severely undermanned didn't have yeah. you know they still don't have Kawhi Leonard they're throwing out a ragtag group out there and obviously it's the Spurs so their system kind of just runs itself and wins for them regardless so I'm not you know counting that against yeah. the Cavs but I, I I still have yet to see outside of the Boston game like a dominant win where you know, wire to wire, this was a legitimate, they beat one of the real best teams in the league. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, one last point on Jordan Clarkson and Larry Nance. Uh, I heard so much crap uh, from different podcasts, don't done basketball, talking about how Jordan Clarkson is whatever is the guy of interest that intrigues me in this trade is Rodney Hood. And dude, Rodney Hood is playing more minutes than Jordan Clarkson, is less efficient and I, I just think it's hilarious. You know, Rodney Hood was made out to be this crown jewel. And here's Jordan Clarkson playing 20 minutes, averaging more points, being more efficient, getting more assists, and being a more versatile versatile and dynamic player than Rodney Hood, who is essentially just right now a second Kyle Korver to the Cavs, which is, which is important. But Clarkson's kind of giving you that shooting with other stuff as well, uh, including athleticism, dunking, stealing the ball, and all that stuff. So... Props to JC and Larry Nance. Uh, glad that they're happy over there with the King. And uh, I just hope that our pick continues to slip. Uh, the Cavs play the Sixers on Thursday. So that should be a very interesting battle with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. And obviously, every game, every game, Cavs game that I watch, um, I'm pretty much rooting for the other team. So it's like having a second Lakers team because our pick is tied to the Cavs. And the more they can lose, the better. We just hope that Clarkson and Nance look good and they just lose at the end. Um, with that said, we have Alan Riley on the line. Let's bring him in. Hold on one second, everybody. Hey, Alan Riley, welcome to the Lakers Legacy Podcast. Thanks for having me. Thank you for the opportunity to quote Tarek Black. Uh, Tommy and I just talked about the Cleveland Cavaliers and LeBron James and how they've looked before we move on. LeBron James. LeBron James. Before we move on, though, we would like you to read the review of the night since we weren't able to get to it. Um, Obviously, please rate and review us on iTunes. And tonight we've got, ooh, who's this? It's, uh, how do you say his name? T'Challa from Wakanda. The Black Panther to read our review of the night. Take it away. A fantastic Laker <laughs> podcast. Five star open palm. Joel and B. The smile on my face is always lit up when I listen to these guys. They are a bunch of smart, funny guy with interesting take on the Laker and basketball in general. I know it's kind of cliche to say but it does feel like you're talking hoop with your friend. I even love the impression in the same style of cringe humor that I love curb your enthusiasm. Keep up the great work, LLP. All right. Uh, was that his father, Alan, or? Sounded like Joel and B. <laughs> 
I kind of have a sore throat right now. I'm sucking on a Ricola, so. <laughs> all good, all good. Wakanda forever, baby. Wakanda forever. <laughs> it's cool. No, no, it was, it was good. It was good. Um, so we're going to move on to the Lakers talk. But before we do that, we're going to turn it over to our sponsors uh, for a second. And we'll get back to you guys after the turn. Hey, this is Brian from the Almighty Baller Podcast Network here to talk about keeps. So there's just no two ways to say it. Losing hair is awful. Nobody wants to go through it. And two out of three guys are going to experience hair loss by the time they're 35. This is the world we live in, people. Now, I personally haven't started this you know, downturn, but I got a couple of people close to my life that go through it. And they always say, should have started it sooner rather than later. So anyways, these FDA-approved products used to cost so much, but now, thanks to Keeps, they're finally inexpensive and easy to get. For five minutes, now and starting just $10 per month, you'll never have to worry about hair loss again. So they've ironed out the process. Basically, you just take a photo of your hair and you shoot it over and a licensed physician will review the information and recommend the right treatment to you and then, boom, shipped right to your door every three months. So Keeps is only $10 to $35 a month. Uh, plus, now you can get your first month free uh, to, to what? To keep your hair. So come on. What are we talking about here? To receive your first month of treatment for free, go to keeps.com slash almighty. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash almighty. That's a free month of treatment at keeps.com slash almighty. Keeps hair today, hair tomorrow. All right, so the Lakers have won three in a row out of the All-Star break. Granted, they were against some terrible teams in the Mavs, the Kings, and the Hawks, but they have won in very dominant and impressive fashion at, uh, versus the Mavs and against the Hawks. And then against Sacramento, it was a tough environment for whatever reason. We've always struggled against the Kings, especially this season, and especially in Sacramento, uh, but we somehow pulled off a gritty win against them. Um, Lonzo Ball is back. Isaiah Thomas is slowly getting himself acclimated to the team. Uh, Zubots is having a mini revival here. And Ingram and Julius Randle are pretty much as dominant as ever, which is which is great to see. So I thought we'd land on Brandon Ingram. And Alan, since you haven't spoken yet, I wanted to get your thoughts on, yeah, just Ingram's continued dominance, especially as he's been able to, even with Lonzo Ball coming back, still have the ball in his hands and still orchestrate the offense as a pseudo point guard um in february brandon ingram is averaging 18.6 points on 54 percent field goals 52 percent from three 77.8 percent from the free from the stripe which is great 5.6 assists 5.2 rebounds 1.1 blocks and 0.6 steals in 33 minutes a game so alan what have your thoughts been on ingram you know, just continuing his his uh, dominance from before the uh, All Star break and into now. It's it's really crazy <laughs> to see how much he's progressed. And I mean, as much as it sucked for Lonzo to be out for such a long period of time, um, giving Brandon the opportunity, like you said, to run the offense, I think uh, just put him in a very comfortable position. I mean, he did it last year quite a bit, and um, you know, at that time we praised that decision and said it was um, a way to get Brandon more engaged in the offense. So by Lonzo being out right now, um, kind of went back to that. And the fact that, you know, Lonzo has been back for a couple games and Brandon is still able to do that is a, a really good sign that um, the team hasn't had to, you know, figure out their chemistry all over again and that sort of thing. Um, you guys may have already mentioned the stat uh, regarding the previous game where, no one has put up a stat line like Brandon Ingram 
did against the Hawks besides Kobe, Shaq, and I think Pau Gasol in terms of, like, it's one of those things where, like, oh, yeah, like, he had 20, 10, at least six of this, and at least three of that, and two of those, and one of those, and, oh, man, the only guys, it's, like, kind of a reach in a way, but at the same time, it's, it's, um... Extremely impressive that, again, Kobe, Shaq, and Power are the only guys to put up the types of numbers he did. Um, how many blocks did he, he have? three blocks. Yeah. So I think that's, like, the key right there, you know? Um, and then it was the six assists, I believe. So, um, yeah, man, it's it's just crazy to think, again, how far he's come. I mean, we talk a lot about, you know, last year compared to this season, how much better he is. But even if we look at just the first month of this season and how we were all a little like, oh boy, like it's it's not looking very good. Um, and where he has come just in a matter of months is is insane. So um, yeah, man, just really happy, obviously. And we we've talked a lot about the different adjustments he's made. Um, give credit to uh, Pete <laughs> a lot for sure for highlighting so many of those things in his videos. Just like how he pops into his three pointers now and how his uh, three point or his jump shot, the stroke is like not such a slingshot type motion. Um, he has the ball a little bit higher up, doesn't pull it as far back. So um, the sky's the limit yet again. I think I was listening to ESPN radio this morning <laughs> And uh, David Fisdale was actually on, and he was saying if he had to think of a comparison for Brandon Ingram, he's like, if I were really forced to think of one, he's like, I would say that dude in Milwaukee <laughs> would be the one. And uh, the reason for that, obviously, is due to their length. And he talked about how, and Rob Palinka has said this as well, I think he said on Connected with, uh, with Bresnahan, that Brandon just, like, unfolds his body <laughs> as he gets closer and closer to the rim. Like, he's already tall and lanky, but then he just becomes, like, Stretch Armstrong and adds, like, more and more length as he gets closer to the rim. And all of a sudden, like, he's dunking. So, um, I think a good example of that was the game against Atlanta when Julius found him mm-hmm. uh, down in the paint, right? It's like, all of a sudden, he just became, like, eight feet tall. Um, so, yeah, dude, that that's about it. Yeah, the nasty dunk on Muscala. Um, But yeah, it's crazy to see how far Brandon Ingram has come, especially with the enormous amount of pressure put on him before the season even began with Magic Johnson saying, you know, this guy is our go-to scorer. He should be averaging 22 points. And then out of the gate, we saw a Brandon Ingram who would force shots and was trying to do a little too much, wouldn't let the game come to him. And it just kind of looked like a mess. But now... He's settled down a lot more, and I think a lot of that comes with obviously having the ball in his hands, finding energy that way, being able to get into a rhythm. You know, those little very simple pick and pops he does with Brooke Lopez where he's able to, you know, draw the defense and just pop it back out to Brooke Lopez. I mean, that does a lot for a guy to be able to even just connect on a simple play like that and get an assist from from your center. And then from there, you just see him do dribble pull-ups from the mid-range. Um, and now he's stepping into his three-point shot. Um, he's doing that a lot more where guys will just pass it to him and he steps into the three and just kind of shoots it without hesitation, which has been great. More so, it just seems like he's he's making really sound reads um, and passes, letting the game come to him a lot more. And most of all, I think defensively, we've started to see those crazy blocks and steal numbers rise recently. And he's just a havoc on defense. And now his entire game is kind of rounding into form. So, Tommy, what have you thought about Brandon Ingram recently and just uh, 
yeah, just how much he's progressed and how well-rounded his game has become, where even though he's not scoring 20 points a game necessarily, you look at the box score and there's rebounds, there's at least five assists, and then all of a sudden, you know, two steals, three blocks, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think uh, Ingram's been really great and he's uh, clearly developing. It's just kind of a bummer because uh, we had the chance to draft on Maker and we ended up going with Ingram. <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, but seriously, he's been, I mean, like Alan said, he's putting up stats in such a wide variety of categories that you typically don't see. Um, you can see why we were so, uh, you know, he's been pretty much untouchable since the new FO took over and, um, and why, uh, even, even though he averaged nine points a game and, frankly look like complete garbage for i don't know 95 percent, pretty much until the last two weeks it felt like or three weeks of last season um he looked really really bad but we all had faith we all saw him we all watched him play actually a ton in college um we were uh tanking for those picks and we we followed him you know throughout summer league we followed him all last season and we saw the flashes he flashed we were flash the progress guys um and uh it's just nice to see everything coming together for him and it's so interesting with him and Randall it's like they've been playing well for a substantial portion of the season at this point um but it's like it's i i wish i could go back and like pinpoint the moment where things just like flipped you know, it's all of a sudden after it was, it seemed like one game Ingram just came in and oh, boom, now he's stepping into his jumpers and stepping into threes and just draining everything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's just one game. I felt like it, that all changed. Like Randall, same, not to get off topic, but just with Randall, it's like, uh, same thing. It's, you know, he could play a super OC at times throughout the season and his, his percentages were improving, but he would still have those like wacky wild games where he just couldn't do anything and was chucking it off the backboard and something flipped all of a sudden. And now it's, you know, he, he gets 20 and 20 plus and 10 plus every single night. So, um, but yeah, for Ingram, it's, it's great to see. And, uh, he's, he is going to be here for a very long time. So I'm glad it's nice to see that he's, he's playing well. Yeah, one last thought on Ingram that I think is interesting. On the one end, I feel like Sixers fans are comparing Ben Simmons to Giannis Antetokounmpo just because they're two players that don't really shoot a lot of jump shots, but they use their athleticism and crazy physique to to just barrel their way into the rim and, you know, overpower dudes with dunks and layups and then their passing ability too. And then on the one end, us as Lakers fans also compare Brandon Ingram to Giannis Antetokounmpo, but in different ways where we're paralleling more Brandon Ingram's uh, length and the way that he's able to slither into the lane as well, because Brandon Ingram, just like those two players also like is one of the, is tops in the league at pretty much driving to the rim and also converting. And that's something that we've seen time and time again, him knifing through the lane, either getting uh, to the foul line um, or, you know, just converting these nifty layups and dunks all of a sudden. So, um, yeah, I think it's just interesting that both groups tend to look at Giannis Antetokounmpo as this sort of, uh, comparison point. And we'll see who gets to that, to, to, to that level, the, the closest. I think Ingram has the potential to, I don't know if he'll ever be Giannis Antetokounmpo, but obviously he's has a little more versatility to his game, uh, just because if his jump shot continues to improve, then, 
and he starts actually draining three-point shots at a higher clip, then it becomes less of a Giannis Antetokounmpo thing, and who knows uh, where we're veering to. Maybe it's more Kawhi Leonard. But in either in either case, props to Brandon Ingram for his long strides, literally and figuratively, um, these past few months. Um, with that said, Lonzo Ball is back. He's only played two games, but in the two games that he's played, he's played limited minutes, 17 minutes against the Dallas Mavericks, and then 24 minutes last night against the Atlanta Hawks. But... He has looked phenomenal coming out, coming back. Uh, pretty much, he's been off for almost a good month or so. But in the two games he's come back, he's had nine points, seven rebounds, six assists, hitting three of six from three. And then last night, four for four from the field, three of three from three point land, thirteen points, seven rebounds, five assists, three steals. He's been uh, effective on from both ends of the court, really causing havoc on the defensive end, um, getting steals, leading the break. Yeah, he's been phenomenal since coming back. So, Alan, what have you thought about Lonzo Ball and, one, his stroke just being there right from the outset, even after a month-plus off? Yeah, I mean, as far as his stroke goes, I'd have to take a much closer look, but I don't know if you guys watched any of the post-game show uh, with Robert Ori uh, after the Atlanta game, but Ori seems to think his shot mechanics are slightly different from what they've Hmm. been. He said he feels like he doesn't bring the ball all the way over to the left side of his body like he used to, and that it's closer to coming up through the center. Now, again, I don't know like if that's actually true. I didn't like go back and analyze it from a perfect angle or anything, but if that is the case, I mean, great. Regardless, the result is obviously positive. Um, I mean... Lonzo has always said, like, in his interviews, when people ask him, like, oh, like, why do you think your shot's falling now, blah, 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 and he's pretty much just like, I was just missing before, and now I'm making them, you know? <laughs> and, I mean, it's understandable why people would think the sky is falling when the season started because it was so historically bad, but at the end of it, I mean, I think we are all probably going to just look back and be like, yeah, for whatever reason, there was just this, like, physical and, like, mental block as to why he was missing, and it is what it is. Um that's not to say suddenly he's going to be shooting like he's Steph Curry or Steve Nash or something, but obviously we're going to be encouraged right now. I mean, when he first came back from missing all those games, I thought, you know, in, in all reality, he, there's probably going to be an adjustment period for him, especially when it comes to catching up to game speed and just getting his stroke back in the flow of a game. But that has not been the case. So that's awesome. Uh, he made his free throws, which is really nice. Um, if anything, that would be something to look at with regards to his stroke. But that game against Atlanta was just ridiculous. He looked so freaking good. He was orchestrating like a freaking maestro. And um, I'm sure, you know, you guys heard about how he called Isaiah Thomas um, once he was traded here and said he wanted to work out with him. I think that's very, uh, you know, mature on his part. I mean, it is his job, you know, to do that sort of thing. But the fact that um, right now they look like they balance each other out pretty well when they're, the, mm-hmm. when they're on the floor uh, is very impressive because a lot of people had, you know, understandably like their doubts. But, I mean, we've talked about it and a lot of people have talked about, imagine if Lonzo and D'Angelo were together. Like, D'Angelo could be that offensive guy who shoots and he can kind of run the half court more if need be. And then Lonzo could kind of be the full court offense, fast break, whatever. I mean, one could argue that Isaiah fills that role to some degree now. Um, So it is definitely nice to see um, them just plug right in and fit very well together. And then just on another note, like you mentioned Lonzo's defense. I mean, this is something that we saw starting with Summer League that 
he's so good at like blindsiding guys, whether it's blocking shots or stripping the ball, whatever it is. And the commentators, was it just, I'm trying to remember, was there a national televised game? (laughs) One of these that he played or no, am I making that up? I feel like someone besides Stu Lance and Billy Mack said something like you can't teach uh, Lonzo's defensive instincts. Either you have it or you don't. So sorry, whoever said that. I'm not giving you credit. But um, I think it was the Mavericks game on Friday or something. Oh, that's right. Is Stu also yeah. said okay, it. Okay, okay. Yeah, well, Stu cre- also cre- said cre- it credits credits yeah, everybody. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's true. And I mean, I don't know why he has those instincts. Like maybe there just is not an explanation, but I feel like him playing with his brothers so much growing up, he probably just picked on them, you know, like he probably just blocked their shots from behind from the time they all knew how to dribble and shoot a basketball. And that sort of thing just stuck with him. Like, I think we could all imagine him doing that to Jello and Mello when they're like a foot shorter than him. And, um, again, I could be completely full of crap, but that it's just like, you don't really see anyone in the league as like abrasive as Lonzo is on defense. Um, but it's really good to see that um, guys are starting to, you know, recognize him for his defensive skills. And um, sorry, I, I have I have a theory on uh, yeah, in yeah. addition Let, to your th- I have a theory on why he's so uh, kind of uppity on defense. I think, especially with Lonzo Ball, his entire offensive game is predicated on getting out onto the break. So I feel like he's so antsy to get out on the break that he'll do anything <laughs> to, ca- okay, to get yeah. the ball, you know? Right, so he's right. like, yo, we need the ball now. I'm going to yeah. steal this ball. I'm going to block this shot and I'm going to have the ball in my hands and we're going to race down the court. Yeah. So I feel like it kind of feeds, I mean, Luke has been saying it the entire time, right? Our defense is going to feed our offense. And I feel like Lonzo Ball has always been that type of player anyways, because he's like, we need the ball in my hands. I don't want to be taking it for taking the ball from out of bounds. You know, mm-hmm. we want it. I want it now. So let's push it. So I feel like that's where that comes from a little yeah. bit. So it's, I like it's that. Cool. Yeah. It's just like, he's really hungry for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with that, uh, hypothesis, but, um, yeah, I think, uh, it'll be fun to see. Thank goodness. We don't have any back to backs anytime soon. And, you know, by the next time we do have a back to the back, back to back, He'll probably be healthy enough to play in that one. Um, it'll be interesting to see when he starts um, in the starting lineup, you know, and then mm-hmm. be interesting to see just how the rotations work as far as him and IT out there at the same time. And I also feel like he and Zubots, now that Zubots is playing, uh, have really like reestablished their chemistry going back to like preseason. I feel like Lonzo and Zoo had like a pretty good thing going on. Then Zoo didn't play at all. And now that Nance is gone, um, we've sort of seen them get back together. So it's exciting stuff. This is Mike from the Almighty Baller Network. It's nice to have a helping hand, especially when it's tax season and that hand is attached to a licensed tax professional. With TurboTax Live, you can talk to real CPAs and EAs on demand who can review your return with you before you file and to make sure you get your maximum refund. They can even check your work line by line so you can be confident it's done right. Who knew confidence and peace of mind could be synonymous with taxes? TurboTax Live with CPAs and EAs on demand. See details at TurboTax.com. Let TurboTax Live be your helping hand. Visit TurboTax.com today. Yeah, for sure. And um, this, I'm going to ask Tommy his thoughts on Lonzo as well, but not to go too off topic, but I feel like Lonzo has made such a seamless transition back into this team that... 
the ball movement on this team right now is is the most exciting and dynamic I've ever seen it. Credit to Isaiah Thomas too for like really buying in and fitting in and we'll get to him in a second, but just the way that the ball is pretty much going from two to three really quick whiz passes straight into a dunk or an easy layup. It has been amazing to watch from Julius Randle, no look bounce passes to Isaiah Thomas, no look whip passes to Zubots to Lonzo Ball, pick and roll, crazy behind the head passes to Zubots. I mean, the passing has been incredible. And, and, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess it's not, it's, it shouldn't be too surprising that Lonzo Ball would so seamlessly fit in here. So, Tommy, what have your thoughts been since Lonzo's return? I feel like Lonzo, when he plays, he's just got this voice in his head going, Zio, get off, get off. Oh, way, oh, oh, way, oh, way, oh. That's what's going on in your head every time he gets the ball, too, right? It is, dude. I'm not going to lie. Um, but now watching Lonzo Ball is just so fun. He's so good, and the impact he has on both sides of the floor is just phenomenal for a rookie. Frankly, I don't. I, I know there are a lot of good rookies in the NBA, and maybe this year the one who's getting the most hype is Donovan Mitchell. And I know for the Jazz, he's had a really insane impact. But and I don't watch Jazz games, so I can't comment on that. But Lonzo is just so insane and so impressive to watch. Um, my thought on his shot was always from the beginning of the season. Uh, the shots that he was taking, other than a couple games in Summer League where he looked really comfortable, it always looked like he was shooting an exaggerated motion of his own form. And part of me thinks that that was uh, him adapting to the speed of the game. I mean, we watch NBA um, you know, multiple times a week for Laker games and then... I'm sure most of us watch like any like a lot of other major, you know, nationally televised games as well. And you kind of get lulled into like, okay, this is what the speed of event, uh, basketball is. And then when you turn on college and it's like a quarter of the speed, even for like the Lonzo Ball Bruins who were playing, you know, one of the fastest paces in college basketball last year, it's just so slow comparatively. It always felt like if you imagine you're playing like rock band or you know so you're you're actually learning how to play the you're actually learning how to play the drums or something right but let's say for rock band because I don't know how to play the drums um, you're starting off and you're playing and you're playing and playing for a year on like easy mode okay and then after a year you immediately turn the difficulty up to like the highest it can go and there's like 15,000 colors all over the screen and you're overwhelmed and you're just throwing like your sticks all over the place <laughs> and you're not thinking about like your form and every, you're, you look all clunky and wonky because everything's happening too fast. I, I feel like that's honestly what was happening to him. Um, his shot has always looked weird. It looked like this in UCLA when he was raining threes. And I know the line is closer, but he was raining them from NBA range too, you know? And when he started his form, it was just like, I, I don't like, or you can say like, Oh, he's adjusted. But I think that what we saw early in the season was him just going too fast and him like, that's why like when he would do it, it would be like this huge, like the ball would be almost like down. It felt like the ball was at his ankles yeah, right. on his le on the left side of his body. And then suddenly his, it would like snap up and back behind his right shoulder. And then he would just like fire it. <laughs> it's a lot of area just, to cover. <laughs> exactly. And it just always felt weird. Like we all saw the sports science thing where they said Lonzo balls release is like pretty as about as fast as clay Thompson's. You know, which is why I never bought, like, a 6'6 guy who plays point guard is not going to be able to get this shot off in the NBA. 
I think now he's just like become so comfortable with the speed of the game and it's just so easy for him um, to handle the speed that all of his other mechanics have fallen into place. Um, this guy is so good. He can score. I mean, he wasn't even trying to score and he scored 13 points off the bench in 24 minutes um, against the Hawks. And, you know, he had five assists. He got robbed robbed of a few. Um, it's just so insane to watch. And And one thing, and I know we get maybe some flack on Twitter for talking about D'Angelo too much. I, this is the one of the few times I'll talk about D'Angelo. If Rob Palenka and Magic Shut up. Johnson, <laughs> if Rob Palenka and Magic Johnson had the benefit of of watching like three quarters of a season, like we have, and seen, nobody could have anticipated how good Lonzo Ball would be as a defender, um, and how much he raises the level of defense from everybody around him, just because he's not just good as a man defender. There's, I think, as a point guard, there's only so good you can be, but. He's very good as a man defender. He's very good at reacting when he gets beat. He's insanely good as a help defender and team defender. Um, he He's an elite rebounder, and he does so many things well. Like, we thought the issue with D'Angelo and Lonzo beyond offense, like, we thought offense, they'll probably be able to figure it out. But defensively, we were like, who's going to guard who? We're going to get completely screwed. And in hindsight, it is clear that Lonzo can handle defending NBA starting guards, I think, at either position, including point guards. And I feel like even if we end up signing some dudes like, you know, major all-stars in the future and one of those guys is a guard, like, Lonzo can still guard opposing point guards. He's that good. Um, so that might have changed things a little bit. Uh, but, you know, whatever. It's We are where we are now, and, and uh, I'm just happy we have Lonzo because he he's just fantastic. Hey, that's a good transition into Isaiah Thomas because, as Alan mentioned, Isaiah Thomas and D'Angelo Russell are kind of similar sort of players in terms of being offensively versatile dudes who can shoot the ball as well uh, and also playmake, even though D'Angelo Russell's 6'5". Um, but Isaiah Thomas, I think, slowly but surely is coming around. And I, most of all, for me, I, I like that it seems like he's bought into what Luke is trying to do with the team. He's not really forcing the issue with regards to I'm the superstar. Um, he's only averaging, let's see, right now, 15 points, four assists, two rebounds on only like 39% from the field since um, the All-Star break. Um, so with the Lakers, he, he's he's been okay. He hasn't shot well at all. Um, I have really liked his playmaking and his chemistry with Zubats especially has been really nice to see. He knows that Zubats will just catch the ball really easily if he throws it up and he's been his main target which is great and so yeah I've been impressed by his playmaking most of all and you know a lot of people have mentioned this but it's just nice to have a really good free throw shooter that you know if he has the ball in his hands and he gets fouled he's gonna hit his free throws I don't know how many in a row he's it's made like now but something. It's something crazy like that right so and a lot of games we left at the line you know really close games so even that just makes a huge difference in terms of wins and losses. So if we had had Isaiah Thomas from the beginning of the season, regardless of whether or not he was only shooting 39%, we might have eked out a couple more wins. Um, but most of all, what I appreciate from Isaiah Thomas is, even though he doesn't have the same burst, the same athleticism that he did last year with Boston when he was a potential MVP candidate, I do like that he still carries himself with that sort of superstar type swagger. You cannot remove the chip off his shoulder. And he always plays like that. And I think that's a, the type of presence that the Lakers haven't had in a while. 
Um, even with Lou Williams, who was scoring 20 points a night, he was Lou Williams is kind of like a happy-go-lucky, easy breezy type of guy. But Isaiah Thomas is always so locked in, for better or for worse. You know, he's he's kind of like that. Kobe Bryant always has a stank face on, always feels like he's getting gypped on calls and that people are trying to pick on him. But he responds to the moment, you know, and I, I think I like that presence on this Lakers team right now. Just that that leadership and also, yeah, just that that extra bit of edge. Um, so, so, Alan, what have you thought about Isaiah Thomas's slow progression and integration to the team? Yeah, I really like what you said about <clears throat> just his general leadership and his demeanor, how he carries himself. That stuff is contagious, you know, and he has said so many times that when he got traded to Boston, it was a young team that wasn't expected to do anything or go anywhere. And then they end up making their playoff push, you know, and he feels like this is a very similar situation. Um, so the fact that he has that experience from Boston and he was able to make such an impact where they did unexpectedly turn it around, there's no reason uh, that can't happen here. Now, if we're talking like playoffs, that's a different story. But just in terms of us gelling and coming together and him putting the onus on himself to be like that glue guy, especially from a veteran leadership uh, point of view. And like you said, you know, we've had vets before. Uh, the front office has bestowed individuals as, okay, like this guy, he's going to be that vet that we need. Lou Dang, he's going to be that guy. Brooke Lopez is going to be that guy. KCP, who's like 24 years old, manna from heaven, he's going to be that guy. And it's like, uh, like, I don't know, like some of them, maybe we could initially be like, yeah, for sure, like totally Lou Dang. And then he doesn't play. So I was like, oh, never mind. And it's like, Brooke Lopez, yeah, yeah, that guy. But then he's had his moments where he's been extremely frustrated because he just wasn't playing for a while. Um, IT does seem like that guy, you know? And I think you hit it on the head when you say he's got that chip on his shoulder. He does have kind of that Mamba mode type of thing going on. And, you know, it makes sense because he grew up a Laker fan and a huge Kobe fan. So um, I honestly think beyond basketball that may be his greatest contribution um mm-hmm. as far as on the court stuff i mean i feel like he's fitting in pretty darn well like you said we don't really like notice oh wow we've got this really new guy on the team in a negative way um is his shooting suffering right now yeah it, it definitely is but we can still see with that second unit how he's impacting the game and um you know, it's funny because when we first acquired him and then there was talk of him potentially coming off the bench and then allegedly his agent like texted Rachel Nichols on the jump on ESPN and was like, if he comes off the bench, then, you know, all hell is going to break loose or whatever. So it's just interesting how that like agent posturing or whatever started this whole thing out. And now, I mean, he seems to be fitting in just fine where he is. So I'll be really interested to see if he continues to come off the bench. I'm inclined to say yes, given the fact we've only got 21 more games. Um, you know, once Zoe uh, fills that starting point guard role again, uh, again, like the rotations will be interesting. But the fact that he's fit in with pretty much everybody all the way to Zubots, who I must say Isaiah Thomas is now Zubots' dad since Larry Nance <laughs> is no longer here. And that's like even funnier because he's half his size. But um their chemistry is like astounding. <laughs> I feel like Zubots has just got to be like the happiest freaking guy on this team right now. It's funny because Larry, his father, like we all saw how sad Zubots was on social media. Um, but this like really opened up a, a door for Zubots to uh, get back in there. And then it is bringing out the best in him. So um, 
I, I think Isaiah will, like you said, slowly but surely come around. He's, I think he said he's still only like 75% healthy or something like that as far as his mm-hmm. hip goes. So, um, yeah, we'll just have to see. But let's just enjoy him while we got him. <laughs> Who knows if he's a rental or whatever. But, uh, yeah, definitely uh, not, not too many complaints. Yeah, and the three games out of the All-Star break, he's only averaging 25 minutes, but he's putting up 15.7 points, two rebounds, 4.3 assists on only 1.7 turnovers. So that's a really good assist to turnover ratio and props to Isaiah for bringing that playmaking part of his game uh, into the front with the with the Lakers bench unit. Uh, so Tommy, really quickly, we want to pick up the pace, but yeah, what are your thoughts on Isaiah Thomas's uh, on-court or off-court basketball presence on this team? Uh, on-court, I'll focus on, I don't really know what's happened off-court, but on-court, it, it seems like the one big thing is, and not to say that Jordan Clarkson was not a good playmaker. He was a solid playmaker, but Isaiah Thomas is averaging twice the amount of assists that he was averaging uh, off the bench for us. That's a huge difference. And even beyond the assists, because this isn't exactly, I mean, this is a guy who plays like he has been previously coached by Brad Stevens. I, I didn't really know what to expect when we got IT. I knew he was good. I'd seen him play, you know, some big playoff games in Boston, but I didn't realize that he was, he's not a super, I mean, he's, he's, he can be a high usage player when you need him to be, um, because he's a superstar and when he's healthy, obviously, and he can hit big shots for you and you want the ball in his hands down the stretch. But I didn't know he would be so effective as a low, like a sort of low usage player. Like there's mm-hmm. often possessions where we come down, he doesn't touch it, you know, just as if he's any other player on the court. Um, and so I think that impact has been great. I mean, he ba- he won us the Sacramento game because he is the only pr- guy on our team who could hit free throws. So just having that, you know, factor, how many more wins would we have right now? We're 26 and 34. Like we'd be a 29, 30 win team if we had, if we literally just swapped him for Clarkson or like a few games earlier this season where we lost because of free throws, um, you know, things would look a lot different. So I think Isaiah is a, a really, really solid player. He's clearly, I think, you know, he said he was 80% when we got him. I think 80% is being generous. Um, but he hopefully will continue to play his way into shape and we'll continue to see more flashes of like what our young team looks like with a guy who was a top MVP candidate last year. Yep, I agree. All right, let's quickly move on to a slightly down topic, but then we'll bring it back around by talking about Zubots. But Kuzma had a pretty good showing in the uh, Rising Stars game or whatever, World versus USA All-Star game. He, he, he was fun. He was hitting threes, dunking and stuff. But uh, really in the last two months, he's kind of fallen off a clip, especially efficiency-wise. He still found ways to contribute mainly in rebounding, but he's really regressed to the mean here where in the first two months of the season, he was he was blistering. He was averaging 18 points, 19 points on like 50% shooting and almost 40% from three. But in January, that's dipped to 12.5 points, four rebounds, two assists on only 41% from the field and 32% from three. And then in February, that's dropped even more to 11 points, six rebounds, 38% from the field, and then 31% from three. So Alan, just really quickly, are you a little bit concerned by Kuzma? And, or do you just think it's the sophomore... Not sophomore, but like the rookie wall skip the grade. in the second half. Yeah, <laughs> skipped the grade in the second half of the season. And I haven't brought this up before yet, but I mean, I've talked to this about Allen separately on the side, but 
sometimes I get flashes of Jordan Clarkson, and I don't mean that in the good way, but in terms of when he's not hitting his shots and he's not as engaged, I often wonder, oh, what can, what what does he contribute or what can he do? You know, until he eventually shores up his defense more. I, I'm I not I'm not saying he's going to be Jordan Clarkson. He's going to have he like he even or that his game even resembles Jordan Clarkson. I'm just talking about the phases that we went through with Jordan Clarkson from him being a first team rookie sort of guy. And then him just kind of settling in and plateauing and being like, oh, okay, maybe he's just a really versatile type of score. Not saying Kuzma's going to be that, but some here and there I see flashes of some JC-esqueness. So, Alan, what are your thoughts on his uh, semi-drop-off, and, and do you think it'll just round back into form as, as the season closes? I definitely think it's a rookie wall. Um, <clears throat> I'm not too concerned about it. I mean... He's pretty much getting, at least from three, like similar looks to what he was draining before. I feel like he's not attacking the paint as much as he was. Like, how frequently would we see him go to, like, the baby skyhook and things like that? You know, you can almost count on it, like, once every other game or something. And I just feel like he hasn't busted that type of thing out. So, in terms of just his offensive repertoire, I feel like um, he hasn't gone to that as much. So that could just be a rookie awareness type thing that could also obviously be other teams adjusting to him now that they've seen um, everything that he has to offer. But uh, I'm I'm really not too concerned. I think he will come around. Um, something that he's improved a lot with uh, or improved on is his playmaking ability. You know, he, he's found ways to get other guys involved. Um, we always go back to that Boston game where he was obviously offensively, he was on fire, but even with his, uh, ability to assist others, um, it was like off the charts. So thankfully, you know, he showed improvement in that way. And then, like you said, you know, his rebounding has improved as well. So, uh, overall, yeah, not, not too concerned. I, I think I'd give it another maybe two to three weeks, maybe five ish, seven games. And then, uh, I think we'll see him improve steadily after that um kuzma even if he continues this to end the season as uh relatively poorly as he's been playing for a perimeter oriented player he's still going to end up above where anybody really should have expected for a rookie i know he's a little bit older he's 22 um so maybe people expect that he should be more of a finished product but He's not a finished product. Um, Kyle Kuzma seems like he has an extremely strong work ethic. He's super, super competitive. He's not going to just walk away and be like, yeah, this is Alonzo Ball's clearly the best player. I'll, I'm fine being in the background, you know? He's going to want to be the best player on this team, no matter who's on it, um, and be the best version of who he can be. And I have no doubts. I mean, like I said, if even if he continues at the same kind of slow pace and the season, he's going to be shooting 42 He's shooting about 45% now. He'll be shooting 42 plus percent. He'll be shooting 35 plus percent from three. Those are phenomenal numbers for a rookie uh, perimeter-oriented player. Yeah, and two things that I'm really encouraged by from Kuzma is, or one that's really intrigued me, is he has this knack for all of a sudden coming out of nowhere and throwing down some of the most nasty aggressive jams that I've ever seen. Like it does. Like the play does not start off that way, but then the way that he throws it down is with is very emphatic and it, it's a these monster dunks come out of nowhere and that's that's really been cool to see and then and then secondly Kyle Kuzma is one of the best roasters on this team which is great <laughs> yeah. I mean Tommy there's a lot you just, so good Tommy just posted this photo of uh 
I guess Brandon Ingram on Instagram. I don't even know what what's going on, but he has this cheese, cheesy, corny ass smile going on. And Kyle Kuzma comments below, "This looked like the background in third grade when you came in to take pictures for the yearbook." <laughs> and, it, and it does. It's it's hilarious. So that's what Kyle Kuzma's got going for him. Uh, but quickly to close, I we, we we would be remiss to not talk about the Zoolander revival. Zubats is back um, in only 17 minutes, the last four games. He's averaging 12 points, five rebounds. He is hitting 20 of 25 in the last four games. <laughs> he's had a 19 and 11 game in 19 minutes. He's had a 14 and six game in 18 minutes and then 10 points in 16 minutes the last game. So Alan, you said it. Um, Larry Nance kind of paved the way for Zubats to get more time, but he's also capitalizing on that time. And I guess his G League experience dominating down there this entire year has really helped him uh, be ready for this moment again. And I'm just glad to see this guy seize the moment again and, uh, you know, bring back the Zubats' goat takes and, and whatnot. So what have your thoughts been on Zubats really quick? You know, I was uh, very sad God. when uh, Larry got traded, but uh, I thank him as well for indirectly uh, sacrifice for me. Uh, I feel like I have very good chemistry with uh, IT, and uh, I feel very light now. I lost a lot of weight, was kind of fat before, and uh, I think Isaiah know how to find me, and uh, I like play with him. I have very good hands. He put the ball where it needs to be, and uh, I just like to play a lot, lot of minute, and... Uh, I like uh, gold and purple again. Great. Tommy, do you have anything to add on Zubats? Uh, yeah, Zubats, um, the way with the way he's looked so far for us, the way Thomas Bryant has looked um, in the G League for us, uh, it's pretty awesome that we have two like just enormous beast centers who are not in terms of like their skill at this level yet, but just in terms of their size. Um it makes me feel a little bit comfortable that if we are able to get some sort of, you know, get some all-stars next year, then maybe we can find any cheap veteran center to come in and give us some minutes. And we'll know we have some big guys who are, who are uh, young and, and maybe could also put, uh, get some size in for us uh, if it comes down to that. Yeah, agree. And it seems like, all of the Lakers, I, I mean, we we barely talked about Julius Randle, but like you said, he's averaging almost 20 points a game, 10 rebounds. He's hitting 58% from the field in February, which is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Uh, props to Julius Randle, props to all of the Lakers, and hey, props to Luke Walton for uh, really instilling this turnaround and cohesion with the group, even amidst all the shuffle. And we can only hope that, I mean, the Lakers are 3-0 and out of the break. People were throwing out that stat line that they need to go 19-6 and to get to even 42-40. and Well, hey, they're 3-0, and and we've got about 22 games left, and we can only hope that they continue to ride this momentum in the third act of their season so that we can easily transition to an, into a very lit summer 2018 uh, so with that said, you know, we'll, we're back uh, more consistently. And I guess from now till the summer, until the draft, um, I think we're, we're going to hope to probably bring up a prospect here and there to analyze each new episode just because we got to get back into the groove of things with regards to our quote-unquote draft scouting. So hopefully next episode we'll bring up at least one guy that we'll all focus on and we'll give our thoughts on him. Marvin Bagley. <laughs> I don't think he's in the range of the Lakers, is he? <laughs> no. 
Hell no. We'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's what, that's what we're hoping to do in the coming weeks. Uh, but with that said, thank you guys for listening. Once again, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes. Um, in order to redeem Alan and his uh, Black Panther accent, let's just go with Joel Embiid. Uh, Joel Embiid, who's better, Ben Simmons, your teammate Ben Simmons, or Brandon Ingram? What, what do you think about their, their ceilings? Well, uh, you know, the funny thing is that was me doing it before. I did not see movie yet, so it's just me talking. Uh, don't blame Alan. Uh, but I like uh, Brandon, even though I could kick his ass. Uh, I like Ben. I could kick his ass. So no point in compare because I better than both of them. It don't matter. I like them both, but I kick their ass. <laughs> Great. Joel fly, and B, ego, fly. Trust the process. <laughs> Ah, that was incredible. Um, All right, that's it. Tommy, I'll catch you later. Later. (laughs) Alan. All right, bye. (laughs) All right, see ya. Let's say you just bought a house. Bad news is, you're one step closer to becoming your parents, which means you're going to start telling your kids to clean up before the cleaning lady comes. Doesn't make sense, but you're the parent and they're the kids. You're going to start telling them that now, too. Good news is, it's easy to bundle home and auto through Progressive and save on your car insurance. And there's your opening to remind them who pays the bills around here. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discount not available in all states or situations. This is what flow from Progressive sounds like in one of our many hilarious commercials. Hi, did you know that you can get a quote on your motorcycle insurance in under three minutes at Progressive.com? And did you know that saying hi makes even bad news sound good? Hi, you have high cholesterol. Hi, you're fine. And this is what that same commercial sounds like on your motorcycle. Hi, there's no more Yep, even our commercials sound better on a bike. And with basic policy starting at $75 a year, Progressive helps keep you on yours. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Annual premium for basic liability policy not available in all states. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.